This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 368, recorded Thursday, March 22nd, 2018. It sure is. I love how enthusiastic you are with the, the numbers every time you do the, the opening. I'm very excited about every single number. I know. Each one just gets higher and higher by one. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, Jason, you woke up this morning in Kentucky, and here you Ohio. are. Ohio. Oh, yeah, no, Kentucky. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, I'm glad one of us knows where you were this morning. <laughs> yeah. I was near the Cincinnati airport, which technically is in Kentucky. All right. So, well, that's good. So you've, you've come a long way. You've had a long day and I must admit you sound like you're a little under the weather. I have a cold. I got there and, uh, I went to work in the morning, did not have a cold when I got there, but by the time I left that day, boy, I had a cold. So someone at work gave you the cold. You, no, you got to stop. I had the cold before I left. It just didn't manifest until I got my ass to work. I think you got to stop kissing everyone you encounter at work. That would help. Well, it's, you know, it's, I just like to do it. And you get there and you haven't seen people for a couple of weeks and you only talk to them on the phone or chat with them and, uh-huh. you know, or email yeah. and stuff. It's nice to just make out for a while. Right. Just plant a big wet one right on the mouth there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's nice. good. But you run the risk of getting cold. So, um, I hate to tell you, I think I loaded up a little extra feedback, a little more than usual this week. So, you're going to have to suffer through, but then when we're done, you can flop right into bed and sleep for a good 12 hours straight and get all better. Uh, or sleep for five or six hours, then get up and uh, do more work. <laughs> tomorrow's not Saturday. Oh, dang it. Tomorrow's not Saturday. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the podcast here. Last week, we asked listeners if they wanted us to continue mentioning the ratings and a number of people wrote in and said, yeah, keep doing it. I enjoy hearing it. All right. uh, and nobody wrote in and said, don't do it. So I'm really? going to, yeah, I'm going to have to assume that every one email, I don't know, represents what, a hundred, a thousand listeners maybe. So there's at least a few people out there who, who want to keep hearing about them. What do you uh, think of it in terms of percentages? Sure. Right. Since uh, the hundred percent of the people that wrote in represent a hundred percent of the listeners. <laughs> I'm not sure I can, you can say that. However, why not? Well, whatever. Did anybody write in and say, just make up the numbers? No, nobody said that. Because huh, uh, that could make us all feel better if we just made them up. Holy shit, we got 48.7 million people watching the uh, the episode. Well, shit. 347 million people. You're you're not that far off. There was uh, 6.66 million <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> for episode 12. So it's marginally up from the week before, but really, I think that's just kind of a hold steady. The week before was 6.6. Now we have 6.66. Nice. A lot of sixes in the last that's a, couple of that's weeks. That's a beastie number. It sure is. Um, so not a drop, not really an increase, but uh, kind of a hold steady. And I have a feeling that's where it's going to hover around, at least for the duration of this season. Uh, and we will have to see what happens when season nine starts. Either more people will come back to the show. Or even more will leave, I think. Or it'll hold steady. Well, it will hold steady, but I think... We got rid of, we got rid of all the chaff. 
Now it's just the solid listeners or what uh, we call viewers. Yep. They're just, uh, they're just going to, they're there for the duration, right? Maybe. So you don't think it'll fall any more than this? I think, uh, I think the numbers are going to remain steady. These numbers are going to remain solid for the remainder of the show. Yeah. That's how I feel. You could be right. You could be right. Uh, I do though think that a season, you know, break is the time when there could be a drastic shift. And I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I don't see it being a drastic shift upwards at this point in the run of the show. Right. Um, so hold steady, I think, is probably best case scenario. But we still have, uh, you know, four more to go this season. So we'll have to see what happens. Yep. All right. That's the ratings. Let's move on into our, what I think is a slightly larger than usual listener feedback section. Okay. Listener feedback. And we are going to kick things off here with a call from Glenn. Hello, boys. It's Glenn from sunny England. Thank you both for being so amazing and consistent in your programming. Unlike the show, what is going on? So in this episode, Rick misses killing Negan by, let's count them, a car crash, a machine gun, the python, an axe, gravity, Lucille, fire, Walker, and a beating. What is going on? Did we see a shark being jumped this week? And... Holy crap, did you hear that? Daryl had a sentence. He had a whole sentence to say. What the fuck has happened to Daryl? He seems all bloated and slow. He can't even point and make coherent hand gestures. There was a time when we'd all chant, if Daryl dies, we riot. Now, if Daryl died, I think I'd probably throw the remote across the room at most. Maybe not even that. Maybe just to the end of the sofa so then I wouldn't have to get up and get it. <laughs> Maggie, still not showing. Jesus. Jesus. Where's Jesus? Carol, who used to teach the kids knife and gun classes, scolding kids for wanting to use knives and guns. Morgan flip-flopping all over the fucking shop. Kill, don't kill, kill, don't kill. Everyone's swapping sides. No one killing Janus for double-crossing the entire fucking Walking Dead universe. Eugene being a complete dick. Tara being a complete bitch. Everyone going from pinpoint headshots on every walker to shooting like stormtroopers. I love this show. I've been in it since the first comic, since your first episode, the show's first episode. But we all seem to be getting more and more frustrated. I I can't pinpoint what's going on. Help us, Chris and Jace Kenobi. You're our only hope. Help us. What is happening? Thanks, boys. Speak to you soon. Thank you, Glenn, for writing that in. What I like, I mean, he covers a lot of ground there, but what I, yeah. and, and what I like about that call is just how it kind of just keeps escalating and escalating right he starts off kind of emotionally you know even and and it sounds a little bit level-headed and then just from there it it gets more and more and uh more intense as it goes on so except for right at the end right at the end he just sounds so sad he he does sound defeated at the end he really very defeated and sad right at the end there so that was uh that was quite the uh, oratory, Glenn. That was uh, very enjoyable. It it was and, great. And the 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 biggest point I got out of that was uh, yes, we absolutely complained that every shot was a headshot at one point. Like, right. Holy shit, have we ever moved on from that? Yeah. Um we don't even see them shoot zombies that much anymore to be honest with you. Now it's all knives and But and they can't hit anything. Sticks. 
well, yeah, when they're shooting at uh, living people, they can't hit anything, it seems, especially one in particular. Yeah, I mean, what more could uh, Rick use? I mean, he's used every weapon under the sun in order to try and kill uh, Negan there. Uh, what does he need? Uh, except, uh, no explosive devices. He didn't have an explosion uh, at all. But he did set something on fire, so that's okay. Yeah, I guess he hasn't technically used an explosive yet. Negan used the explosives against them in Alexandria, right? Yeah. Uh, but the, the Glenn's list of of uh, <laughs> methods Rick has tried to kill Negan with was pretty funny because it included gravity. It and, did, you know. So gravity's important and and a killer. It absolutely kills many people every day more than sharks. I can tell you that. Absolutely more than a lot of other things, probably. Vending uh, machines more than vending machines. Yeah, That's but for sure. they kill people once in a while. Actually, more people die from vending machines than sharks, so. You know, <laughs> people do crazy things to vending machines, Jason. I, I, I work at a company that has some dealings with vending machines, and uh, we have seen some people, never, never anyone killed by one, but we've seen some people do some crazy shit. Yeah. And do you have to put a sign on it that says, uh, don't put your penis anywhere you wouldn't put your fingers? Uh, no, but we should, I'll just say we should put a sign that says, please do not defecate in the tray of the vending machine. Seriously? I'm not joking. Oh, man. I know. You never told me that story before. That's disgusting. People are disgusting. Anyways, thank you, Glenn, for that call. And, uh. You, you create vending machines that tweet. And uh, did, did it, did it tweet about the guy pooping in the tray actually the, the machines themselves don't usually tweet it's more like you tweet to activate the machine that's oh of, i see so he things. tweeted then pooped in the tray got it <laughs> right <Fine. laughs> the thing is like he has to if he wants to get something he's got to reach in there so i guess he did it first and then crapped in the tray yeah it was just it's weird decision making anyways i don't know how we get on this let's move on <laughs> yeah all right next we have an email from trisha in buffalo new york i really like this week's episode I know there's going to be a lot of negative comments about the fight between Rick and Negan. Yes, the 15 times Rick missed shooting Negan, but I still liked it. I thought it was a perfect mix of action and dialogue. I got goosebumps when Rick picked up Lucille. Then to see Jadis, just put the cherry on top. Well, there you go. See, I mean, Glenn had some problems. Trisha uh, liked the episode a lot more. I think there was plenty to like in this episode. And if I can just go back to Glenn for a second there, maybe, Glenn, we will... We will go through the feedback here and we'll find things in the episode that you can, you can appreciate. Yeah. And if not, then you can uh, have your own little riot. Like you said, we, if, uh, uh, if Daryl dies, we riot. Yep. But uh, you can have your own little riot. And I would consider throwing the remote across the couch, you know, a personal riot. I would consider <laughs> that a riot. Right. Not far enough away that you have to get up. But Yeah. Because you don't want to put yourself out. No. Right. Not, not too much. Yeah, you'd have to lean all the way. It depends on if you're lying down. If you're lying down, it makes it even worse. You throw the remote, and then you got to kick it back. And uh, It's just too much effort. Yeah, it's too much effort. Forget it. All right. Uh, next here is a call from Ellen. Hi, this is Ellen in California. Holy crap. Did you see that? I made the mistake of eating sausage during the scene where they were sticking knives right into the zombies' walkers' abdomens. Ugh. <laughs> so short and sweet but yeah you don't want to be eating sausage or anything when you see people's intestines fall out it's gross yeah that would be uh isn't sausage yeah anyway uh yeah you, you don't want to not only do you not want to eat sausage but you wouldn't want to be making sausages at that time because making sausages is really gross 
Yeah, it is. Um, but eating it, delicious. Oh, very, very delicious. Unless you're watching people be disemboweled while eating it. Yeah. I can see that. I couldn't care. I wouldn't care. No, Personally. you can eat anything you want while watching any kind of disgusting stuff on TV. You're able oh, yeah, to. Yeah, because TV stuff is fine. If it was real stuff, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't watch real violence. Like anything where people actually really get injured right. bothers me. No, but me too. TV, TV stuff, no problem. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Um, I, you know, I do think that those scenes with the disemboweling of the zombies to coat the weapons were pretty nasty, actually. Like it was real enough looking to me, I guess. I mean, I don't really know what it looks what like. Do you when, know. Some, yeah. I don't know what it looks like when someone's <laughs> really disemboweled, but I feel like that might be it. And if it is, it's pretty gross and they did a good job. Okay. <laughs> that's all. I don't know what it looks like. I, I assumed it, it got the point across and that's good enough for me. I'm sure there's some surgeons or doctors out there that could probably tell us what a disemboweling looks like or, you know, I'm not it's sure I really, want to know anyways. It's really sad that there's people out there that would know that well, not regardless really. of how they know. It's oh. just, it's makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you're a surgeon, I mean, that's kind of what you do. Disembowel yeah. people? I don't think so. I mean, not, I mean, not in a negative way. You do it in some sort of life-saving <laughs> kind of way and then, you know. Yeah. I'm doing this for your own good. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Next, we have a call from Angie. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. It's Ange from Birmingham. Uh, long time no speak. Um, I've still been here in the distance, having a listen. Um, just life's taken over for a while, so I haven't been able to call in with anything. Um, it was just a thought on you saying about Rick changing his mind about killing innocent people. Um, you have to remember that Rick Grimes, uh, the pre-apocalypse Rick Grimes, is a policeman and they serve and protect. They don't, or they want to save them. Um, now, post-apocalyptic Rick Grimes is somebody who he never wanted to be and somebody he's been forced to become. Uh, and that's the man that has to kill innocents. So there are two very different sides of his personality. The person who he truly is, which is the policeman, the protector, the father, the husband, and the one who he has become, which is the leader and the guy who bites out people's throats when he has to. Um, so obviously he's going to flip-flop between the two because he's got two very different personalities uh, at war with each other. So, um, it's, or bad characterization or anything. It's just... Uh, a very bipolar Rick Grimes, not really knowing who he needs to be or who he actually is uh, at that time, I think. Anyway, uh, keep up the good work, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Angie. Her her message skipped there a little bit at the end, but I think you get the point that Rick is a, uh, he's got two sort of struggling personalities in him, to serve and protect, and to, well, to serve and protect by not hurting people, and to serve and protect by doing whatever is necessary. Different different uh, sort of lives he lives now. In a yeah, way. It's lawful good versus chaotic good. That's that's right. That's exactly what it is. But I can see how if you are one, it might be difficult to transition to the other. Right. Whereas Negan is lawful evil. He is lawful evil. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he hasn't been forced to, to transition. Uh, maybe before, even before the apocalypse, he was lawful evil. Maybe. Maybe right. it was lawful good. 
Or, he or was maybe it was good. chaotic neutral. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, we don't really know for sure. But he was a gym teacher, so he was probably lawful, lawful evil. Lawful evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From my experience. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's that's a, a good point from Angie. Um, that that Rick is just sort of struggling internally, and he'll probably never get over that because it's it's difficult to change your whole um, nature. You know, alignment. Yeah. Alignment. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, then. Thanks, Ange. Next up is Jenny in South Carolina. And she says, I was surprised to learn that Negan talks to Lucille when no one is watching. I thought that was just an act he put on to scare people. Maybe it started off as an act and just kind of became not an act. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, let's be honest. Rick was talking to a phone, right? He was talking to a, to his dead wife on a phone. Well, he was talking on a phone. Yeah. I mean, we all talk on phones, right? Sure. We just, usually it's connected to someone else that we're talking to, not nothing. Also, he, we don't talk to the phone like Negan is talking to the bat. That's true. He's not like, yeah, it's not like he's using it as a communication device to talk to aliens. No, I guess it is a little bit different in that way, but... Uh, if it was an act to begin with, I really don't think it is now. He seems extremely concerned about that bat, right? When he doesn't have it, um, he's, he's upset. Yeah, it can be, uh, it can be weird. I remember one time, did I ever tell you about the time that I carried around a a bowling ball for a weekend? Whole weekend? The whole weekend. I was, uh, spending a a weekend at a friend's house. It was a bunch of us spending a weekend at the friend's house and we were in the basement and I found a bowling ball. I just decided to carry it around. I carried that ba- that bowling ball around the whole weekend. And uh, at the end of the weekend, I, I left the bowling ball there because, you know, obviously it's not mine. And God damn it, I missed that bowling ball for a while. How many pounds was this bowling ball? It was like 10 or 12. It wasn't very big. So a, light, a lighter one. Yeah, a lighter bowling ball. Well, that makes perfect sense then. If it was a 13 pounder, I mean, you'd be crazy. Yeah, yeah that'd be, that, you know, there's a limit. Right, of you course. Know? But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know why I did it. Uh, but at the end of it, it was weird. Uh, for a couple of days, I missed that bowling ball. It's extremely weird. Well, and if you'd kept going by now, you'd have been talking to it. Like, it oh, was I a totally person. would have drew a face on it. Sure. I would have drew a face on it. I would have named it Wilson or, uh, I don't even know the, the brand name of bowling balls. So I couldn't tell you what, uh, <laughs> do you know a brand name of a bowling ball? I do not. Me neither. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I would have, yeah, totally. So I can see where Negan you know, you you start to carry this thing around with you, and eventually, uh, it becomes uh, more a part of you than you'd like to admit. Your only friend. Eventually, it becomes your only true friend. Yeah, that's true. Sad. Okay, next we have a call from Paul, y'all. Hey, Chris and Jason, Paul from Orlando, Florida. So I got two things. I got a holy crap, did you see that? And a holy crap, you guys let me down. Oh. So first of all, my holy crap, did you see that? Was Towards the beginning of the episode, when Dwight is checking out his rings and the last cigarette in his pack, at one point he's got his fingers up near his forehead, and his fingernails are unbelievably beautifully manicured for somebody in a zombie apocalypse. Just perfectly smooth and rounded and nice and perfect. It just kind of struck me as odd that Dwight, of all people, would take the time to think, huh, I need to fix my fingernails. So there's my holy crap, did you see that? Then there's my holy crap, you guys let me down. Now... Normally, when you guys pick apart something like, you know, guns recoil or something else and dealing with the suspension of disbelief, I always think to myself, all right, come on, 
let it go. But this time, I was so on board, ready for you guys to start ripping apart the scene where Dwight flicks the cigarette at Negan's car and lights it up, thinking to myself, no way. No, 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 no way. I mean, it's in an outdoor area. Uh, the fumes would have completely dissipated by the time the cigarette actually got to the gas. So the pool of gasoline would have just put the cigarette out. But instead, you guys just said, yep, that was cool. And then went on to discuss how hard it would be to light a bat on fire. <laughs> I just kind of went, you know, for once in my life, I'm completely on board with you guys ripping something apart. And you just gloss right over it. Just kind of made me sad. Anyway, keep up the good work, guys. And I will listen to your guys' show. And I will listen to the next show. And then I'll probably listen to the next show whether I agree with you or disagree with you. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Very good. Thank you, Paul. And I'm sorry we let you down, but I have an explanation. Yeah, I, th- I may have mentioned something about that, but I, I thought it in my head how stupid it was, but then I uh, I thought maybe I'd, I'd go over this kind of stuff a little too harshly because mm. you absolutely can't just throw a cigarette and light something on fire. No. You, you, Paul's absolutely correct. That's complete and utter horse shit. <laughs> Outdoor area, it's the fumes that light on fire, not the actual pool of gasoline. If you put a cigarette into a pool of gasoline outside, the cigarette's going to go out. Yeah, it's not going to light up an explosion like that. And, and you know, I, I agree it's crazy and it's nuts to see that kind of thing. But my explanation is that this happens so frequently on shows and in movies that we are, I think, conditioned to just kind of accepting it. That that cars explode for absolutely no reason in movies and TV shows. You can look at it the wrong way and it's going to explode if there's any gas escaping from the tank. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, it's ridiculous. And uh, yes, in the past, we have been known to pick things apart in excruciating detail. Uh, but in this case, it's like, oh, a car exploded from a cigarette. I mean, that's how it works in the world of TV and movies. So move on. Yeah. Paul, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right to write it in our call in and uh, call us on that. And if we miss something like that, that's why we have awesome listeners like you to call in and say, Hey, that's bullshit. That's right. You guys should have jumped all over that bullshit because that, that's not only bullshit, but it's bullshit that you didn't catch that bullshit. But and that being said, I appreciate Paul for listening to this podcast and the next one and probably the next one after that. Yeah, but after that, it's up in the air, right? Well, after that, well, anything goes. Yeah, who who knows? That's yeah, that right. that's you know, as long as you're making a a three episode commitment, that's fine. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for pointing that out, Paul. Uh, Dwight's nails well manicured. I, I was gonna say like it's it's. It's probably not that difficult. I didn't notice the nails, but it's probably not that difficult to keep your fingernails in good condition, even in the zombie apocalypse. It's not like uh, uh, nail clippers are going to be difficult to come by. But were they just in a swamp? They were just in a swamp. Sure. So like they should have been dirty, maybe swampy. Swampy fingernails would have been fine. Would have been okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice, but I, we've had fingernail complaints about the show was bef- about the show before. For example, way back with Andrea, apparently her fingernails were always beautifully manicured and polished. Well, that makes sense to me for some reason. Really? I thought Andrea. Yeah. I mean, she I would think that she would have polished fingernails no matter what. She has a kit probably in her back pocket. Well, yeah, she didn't last nearly as long into the, the apocalypse either. So maybe she just hadn't stopped with the uh, whatever routine she had for nail maintenance. 
Dwight, on the other hand, has been around a long time. He said his face ironed. You'd think he wouldn't worry about it too much, but I hate having long nails. So I'm even in the apocalypse, I'd be cutting my nails as often as oh, I yeah. need to. I don't like having long nails either. I cut. I don't like pay attention to them. I cut them and just kind of clip them, and then they're all kind of raggedy, but they're not long. No, uh, exactly. Not long. Short is important because, you know, and even on a good day, you don't want to get your nail caught on something and ripped off. And in the zombie apocalypse, that's even worse. I got to think. Uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be bad. So that'd be horrible. All right. Thank you very much for that call, Paul. Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have a call from Kathy. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Kathy from Madison, Wisconsin. I've never called in before or contacted you. There were two things when I was listening to the podcast. One is I think Rick is blowing that horn because they mentioned in the beginning that Maggie has watchouts every half mile. So that must be the signal from every half mile. And then the other thing was that in the beginning, Dwight had a cigarette pack, looked old, looked like he dug it out of where he, his room was and had his rings in there, but also a half-smoked cigarette, which I thought that must be Sherry's from when they used to smoke in the hallway. And then later on, when he lit up Negan's car with it, flicked it off there, I was like, that's pretty cool and symbolic. Thanks a lot. Look forward to your podcast every week. Thank you, Kathy. So uh, first about the cigarette, which we'll get to in a couple more emails. Um, yes, it was Sherry's cigarette, right, that he was saving. And he used it to blow up Negan's car. He probably would have preferred Negan to be in the car when that happened. Absolutely, yeah. but. It is a little bit symbolic in that that was his wife's cigarette. She's now gone, dead or alive, we don't know. But he, you know, he, he made his decision uh, on, on sort of what Simon was asking him by blowing up the car with Sherry's cigarette. There's a lot going right. on in that scene. Well, that's why the car blew up. It was a magic cigarette. It had meaning. It had power. It had, uh, uh, you know, had, been, had lipstick on it. It had weight behind it. That's right. right. It had plot device all over it. All over it. So that helps explain the car blowing up. Uh, yeah. Now, Rick and the car horn, our next email is, is confirming uh, more or less that idea. All right. So it's uh, an email from Mike in Des Moines. Let me be the 1,012th person to write to tell you that Rick was going to honk the horn when the saviors were driving by to alert the other people to look out from the hilltop. Uh, they mentioned in the episode that each lookout was a half mile apart, and I'm sure honking the horn served as a link in the lookout chain to alert the hilltop that trouble is a-coming. Right. So it was the signal for all of the hilltop lookouts that are apparently a half mile apart. That's the dumbest idea ever. Like, they have radios, right? Uh, maybe they don't. Well, because the horn is just going to, like... Uh, you honk the horn, everybody's going to look towards where the honk, horn is honking, and then uh, and then you're dead. Okay, but wasn't this... There's a better way to, to send a signal. Uh, I suppose. Um, but wasn't this the same... Isn't this sort of the same idea as in Lord of the Rings when they light those signal fires and they yeah. they keep lighting them back to wherever? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, a single-bit communication. Right. Right. Fire so on. It's off, on, off, on, off, on. So you, you know, it's off until you want to send the signal, and then it's on. It's just, it's a single bit that keeps going down a chain until it gets to the uh, destination. Right. Yeah, it's perfect. So Hilltop is using car horns instead of signal fires. I guess so. That's the point. But they could use radios, right? Well, radios, if they have them. I, I mean, I don't know why horns they... Horns are directional, radios are not. That's my, I guess that's my biggest problem. 
is that uh, horns are very directional as you'll honk a horn. People can, you know, we have two ears on the sides of our heads in order to be able to tell the direction that a, that a, a sound comes from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, direction, 180 direction, 180 degree directional hearing. That's fantastic. That's, you know, when you honk a horn, you can tell where it's coming from. Radio, we don't have any radio receptors in our head. We rely on using actual technology for radios and radios are not directional. You can't tell where a radio signal is coming from. So use a friggin' radio. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Well, what about a flare? That's directional, but still a little more accurate and not as loud. Sure. I mean, the nice thing about radio is you could secretly radio back to home base. That's true. Well, you just, I'm, in a way. You, you, you jump the, you hit the, hit the button, you just go click, click. It's still a single bit, right? You have to know what the bit means. Sure. Yeah. So, anyway, horn. I, I understand that that's probably correct, but it's dumb. So that's basically everybody's understanding, except Lucy in Germany, by way of Australia, wrote in and said, hey, you idiots, listen, Rick was listening on the walkie to the saviors talking through their plan, and one of them said to honk the horn if something's up or something along those lines. Rick was going to honk to make them think something is going on at Hilltop, but changed his mind when he saw a chance to get at Negan. Oh yeah, we are idiots. So different, uh, different thing. And I went back to check the tape on that and I turned on the closed captioning and the actual lines in the episode when, uh, coming out of the walkie that Rick is holding is man, or sorry, man, if you see him coming, hit your horn, that'll start the handoff, stick to the plan, don't engage. So that, those few sentences are extremely interesting on their own, but the point is they do mention the horn. So Rick heard that and was like, I'm going to hit the horn and confuse them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Right. And, and Lucy, you're absolutely right for calling us idiots. Right. But I mean, obviously lots of people thought the horn was the signal back to Hilltop and it could have been that. It could have been that. I believe when Rick was in the graveyard talking to Daryl, I think that's when the like half mile lookouts came up. So... Right. I think at best it's a little bit unclear in the episode. But what do you make of the the actual dialogue we heard on Rick's radio? That'll start the handoff. Stick to the plan. Don't engage. What's the handoff? Unclear. It doesn't seem to fit anything else that we've seen or heard in the episode. Yeah. But as Lucy points out, we're idiots. So maybe you and I just don't know. There's, yeah, there's, there's a very good possibility of that. I just think it's interesting and it's, it, it almost feels like one of those throwaway lines that, you know, you're not even almost supposed to pick up on. It's like background chatter, right? Yeah. But the fact is Rick is there on his own, specifically listening to this radio and we're hearing what he's hearing. So it must mean something. Um, and then, and then the, the savior says, don't engage. So you know, is it that there's a con? There's a group of saviors coming from one direction. They hit their horn. It signals another group of saviors to do something, sort of handoff control, almost. You know, we're here now. Now it's your turn to move, or something like that. Handoff uh, um, action, kind of. I don't know. And, and until they get to a certain point in the plan, they're not supposed to engage, which would mean probably attacking Hilltop. So. I just think it's interesting, and it's a little detail that we may or may not get more information about next week or in the yeah. in a coming episode. Maybe they're having a relay race, and they're just they're handing off uh, something that is like a baton 
to see who uh, who's going to win the race. Well, that's a really good analogy. I mean, it's not a race, but it's like they have the baton and then the horn is the baton handoff to the next group. And then it's their uh, turn to do something. Yeah. So something's going on. Something here. is definitely going on. All right. Next, we have an email from Jennifer in Minneapolis. Yeah, that that's for you. She said, because I think last week or the week before you mispronounced it or couldn't get the word out. <laughs> right. Min, min, Minneapolis. It's not Minneapolis. It is Minneapolis, but you pronounced it Minneapolis. Oh, so, okay. Right. So it's right back to me being an idiot. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so Jennifer writes, uh, did you see Dwight smoke Cherry's last cigarette? It's the one he's been saving since she left and had her lipstick on it. He's moving on more. Uh, sorry. He's moving on in more than one way. By the way, that cig had to be freaking stale. I could almost taste the stale cigarette when he lit it up. I kind of included this one for you, Jason, being a former yeah. smoker. I thought you'd, you'd maybe know something about that, that I don't. Oh, yeah. Never, never had a cigarette in my life, so I don't know what a stale one's like. They totally go stale, and uh, you keep uh, keep the packs. Like, if you buy a carton of cigarettes and you don't smoke, like, that's what I used to do. I'd buy a carton of cigarettes, and then they'd all go fucking stale. Uh, so you keep them in the freezer. Oh, and that helps? It does help. Like when you open up a pack, they're wrapped in plastic, right? And that's supposed to keep them fresh. But if you open up a pack and you only smoke a half a pack a week or a pack a week kind of thing, that pack is going to go, the cigarettes are going to go stale before you can smoke them. So you keep them in the freezer. That's what I used to do. Interesting. How many cigarettes are in a pack of smokes? Oh, 20 or 25, depending on the size. You can buy larger, small packs. Okay. Used to, I don't know about today. Today you could probably buy packs of five. I have no idea, but. They used to be in packs of 20, packs of 25, and then regular or king size. It's been 10 or 15 years since you smoked, right? Uh, 10 years. I th- 12 years. 10 or 12? 2006, I think. Okay. The last cigarette I had. That's pretty good. I mean, that's great. But uh, I figured you'd have a little more information or a little more yeah. knowledge on that than me. Smoking a tail stale cigarette is absolutely disgusting. The only thing that work, the worst than smoking a stale cigarette is when you light a cigarette cigarette backwards and you smoke the fucking filter. <laughs> oh, that's the worst thing ever. And that happens occasionally? Yeah, you're drunk because oh. that's when you smoke, right? You'd stick a cigarette in your mouth and you light it up and you end up lighting the filter on and you take a big drag and it's like, <laughs> oh, that's worse than smoking a stale cigarette. But uh, yeah, that's that's bad. Oh, I I don't want to judge, but man, smoking just sounds like the worst. <laughs> oh, it is absolutely the worst and the best all rolled into one awesome, disgusting package. Got it. All you right. miss it every day. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for that. Next up is Benita from Old Toon Gabby, Sydney, Australia. Benita writes, my holy crap moment was wondering why Dwight and Simon didn't hear any of the gunfire tirade, even though they can't have been that far away as they were on foot. Uh, that's because they were looking lovingly into each other's eyes the whole time. And when that <laughs> happens, audio input just kind of goes out the window. You just don't know what's going on around you when you're gazing into your crush's eyes. That's right. Okay. Yeah, because Simon, you know, said, you know, we're going to tell our grandkids about this stuff. So I'm pretty sure they're uh, they're going to be a thing. They're going to hook up. Now, maybe they weren't as close as we think because Rick and Negan did drive for a little while. And to be fair, we don't really know oh, for how they, long. They ran across the uh, the car wreck like four minutes later. Uh, no, I mean, well, we don't know what the time frame was exactly. I'm just saying that what, Rick- it's a week. No, but, you know, Rick and Negan could have easily driven a couple of miles, right? And can you hear gunfire from two miles away? 
Uh, yeah, actually, in, in the it. zombie apocalypse, there's no you know audio pollution. Right. It's not like it's got to got to compete with traffic mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah, you might have to compete with low level moans and shit. But what if um, Simon and Dwight and the rest of the convoy hadn't turned off all their engines and were sitting in their vehicles still? Would you hear the gunfire two miles away? You can hear gunfire gunfire from quite a ways away. Yeah, I, I think you're it's probably pretty loud. Right. Oh yeah. I think you're probably right, but I'm just trying to come up with an explanation. But Benita has pointed something out here that uh, is a little bit inconsistent because there was a lot of gunfire uh, until Rick ran out of bullets anyways. That's true. All right. Next, we have an email from Perry in Oregon. I appreciated Rick's Python being out of ammo. I actually counted shots as he chased Negan through the building. And after six, I hope he wouldn't just keep going. Guns have been magical for so long in this show. I really hope to see ammo being more than a plot device. Look at that. They're, they did something realistic with a weapon, Jason. I'm excited. They did, except that I'm not entirely sure that that's a six-shot uh, revolver. I think it might be a five-shot, but I don't know. What do I know? Well, yeah, I'm going to um, take Perry's expert. Well, I'm going to take his word for it on this because I certainly don't know. And if that thing holds six rounds and Rick shot six times, well, good I'm on the show. I'm going to look up. Python revolver. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, I will read Dan's email from Durant, Iowa. Dan writes, here's something I might have missed. Rick and Negan's magic building. Speaking of magic stuff. A, they enter the building on the first floor. B, they climb to the second floor. C, Negan falls to the basement where it's too dark for him to find Lucille. Rick walks down the stairs, I think. D, They proceed to fight and dodge walkers, but it's too dark to see anything. E, Negan runs out, and then Rick jumps through a window back on the first floor. So did they- No, Rick crawled out of the basement. He crawled out of a window? No, he jumped, uh, when he jumped out that window, he was jumping out of the window into uh, an area- that was, uh, there was a wall that went straight up. Like when he, when we saw at the window, when he jumped, it was a gray, uh, cement wall on the, uh, on the other side of that window. So I think that was like a, a trench between the building and the ground level. So he jumped out into that kind of trench and then had to climb out over that wall. Okay. So they were in the basement of the building. Yes. They didn't they ma- were in the basement. They didn't magically move up to the ground floor or we just, or we didn't no. see it. The window went out into, you know, you have like a, in your, in your house, you have a, a well where the windows in the basement. Well, uh, yeah, some houses, some houses, my house does. So it's like the, if the, the, that little cutout well wasn't there, the window would be buried underground. Right. Right. So this area was like, there was a, a, a trench that was probably two or three feet wide that had gravel, most likely on the bottom and a gray wall that Rick had to climb over. I, I noticed that. Okay, so that makes sense then, and I'm glad we could clear that up because I thought that the window was, like, I didn't think of it in these terms that Dan writes in, but I thought the window was, like, back on the first floor. It just never occurred to me that, hey, wait a minute, they were fighting through the basement. Uh, How did they get up onto the main floor or the ground floor of the building again? Uh, But that makes sense. They they didn't. They were in the basement, and he jumped out into a window trench. (laughs) Yes, and then had to climb up. And then had to climb out. All right, makes sense. Okay, so I looked it up, and a Python does have a six-round cylinder, so that's fine. There you go. So uh, thank you, Perry, for that. We've cleared that up. And it didn't hold more bullets, which is nice. Yeah. 
That is nice. Very good. Uh, okay, so next we have an email from Don in Wisconsin. The reason Lucille was able to burn is that Rick doused it with uh, doused her with something from a plastic bottle he found in the basement. And just in case it comes up again, baseball bats are made of ash wood. Right. So that's good to know about baseball bats. I looked up ash, and that it is indeed a hardwood that you basically said. I just we didn't know what kind of tree well, or wood be made out of pine. Oh, I know that, but. Anyways, Ash. Um, and Don, speaking of people writing in, you know, to correct us on things or point something out, uh, Don was certainly not the only person to write in about the fact that Rick found something in a plastic bottle, poured it on Lucille, and then lit that on fire. Who knows what it was, but it was clearly some extremely flammable uh, liquid. Was it somebody's pee? Like, what kind of bottle? I don't remember the bottle. Uh, Is it like an industrial bottle? Plastic bottle? I'd have to go back and check. I don't know. It's not like a plastic water bottle that somebody peed in and then just left it in the basement. Well, I don't think pee burns, so probably not. No, it doesn't, but that's (laughs) part of the point, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Rick just found something, knew what it was, knew that it would burn, and decided to use it? Okay, well, he either one, he was taking a shot in the dark, hoping, or two, maybe the bottle was labeled with what it was. I mean, they were in a basement. That's where people keep their flammable household hazardous materials. And he found something and lit the bat on fire with it. The sad thing is they do. That's where exactly where they keep them. They shouldn't, but that's where they keep them. Or at least if you're going to keep flammable, uh, combustible materials inside your house, keep them in a metal cabinet. Right. Cause that'll contain the fire well, it can, temporarily. It, it, it limits the amount of air that can get in there. Got it. Makes sense. So, well, yeah. I keep most of my flammable materials in my garage, so. Which is wise. And your garage is not attached, so if the garage burns down, you know, you're not in immediate danger of your house burning down. No, I'll be scared shitless if the garage well, suddenly yeah. lit on fire, but yeah. You, it gives you, uh, you know, 10 minutes to get the fuck out of there and call the fire department. So, you know the, the you know the giant tree that's right next to my garage? I, I do, yeah. Do you think that thing would light on fire if my garage lit on fire? Uh, Yeah. Fuck, that's scary, man, because that's a big-ass tree. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's also a living tree, right? True. So it's not extremely flammable? No, but it's <laughs> still freaking me out just thinking about if suddenly I wake up in the yeah. middle of the night and all that's on fire. I it'll be food. It, it'll be food. It'll be fine. Your, <laughs> your tree's not going to burn down. Okay. Good. Just your garage. <laughs> Good. Next up, we have a call from Chris. Hello, Jason and Chris. This is uh, Chris in Las Vegas. I really enjoyed this episode. It gave you a lot of things to think about moving forward. Yeah, I don't get the whole thing with Jadis at the end either. It, I can see her knocking him out and holding him at gunpoint, but why? I mean, why wouldn't she just kill him? I mean, Negan finally knows what Simon did, but now Jadis thinks that Negan was in on it all along. So I don't know. I guess we'll just see where it goes. Um, I'm looking forward to next week. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think that Jadis having Negan is pretty interesting. And uh, there are some theories out there on what she's going to try to do with him. Everything from just take him back to the junkyard and kill him to trade him, you know, as a hostage or use him as leverage in some other way. Uh, but I, I don't really know. We'll have to find out. I'm, you know, it's it might not be something they get back to right next week. I feel like this is the kind of thing the show does. They set something up, take a week or two off from it, and then this will come back into play, you know, in episode 15 or 16, something like that. 
She's going to use him as a sex slave. <laughs> well, there's that theory too, you know? It's like, uh, all right, yeah. strip. <laughs> she wants to have babies. Or maybe make, you know, maybe make some body art on him. Paint, body paint him and he'll oh, be, yeah. uh. Sexy. He'll be art. Yeah, Negan art. <laughs> Good times. All right, next we have an email from Chris in the UK regarding Jadis. First off, Negan took a good one in the chest from Lucille. Got to think he made it through the fight on adrenaline, but I think that uh, by the time Jadis got him, he was in fairly in a very, fairly bad way. That's without t- uh, taking into account his injuries from the car crash and the fall. Maybe he even passed out, which would explain how she captures him without him knowing it. Jadis doesn't necessarily blame Negan for the deaths of her people. She could be focused more on Simon, who did the actual killing. She has no particular reason to believe the massacre was always the plan. She may think that she can use Negan to get to Simon. Right, so there there it is, too. You know, another, another idea. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like Jadis is likely under the impression that Simon was sent there by Negan specifically to massacre her people. Now, I know he didn't, like, just walk in and start shooting, right? He did the whole, we need an apology speech first, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the massacre wasn't his his intention all along. And if so, she knows that he does what uh, Negan says, so maybe she is thinking, Negan is truly the bad guy here. Uh, I don't care about Simon. Now I have the bad guy, and I'm going to punish him. Yeah, by using him as a sex slave. Right, because that would certainly be punishment. <laughs> it, it would. So That's sexual assault and rape. That's not good at all. No, not good at all. Our next email is Heather in Kansas City, Missouri, right, I guess, and uh, it's, it's along the same lines. She says, I heard someone on Talking Dead after the episode mention that maybe Jadis is going to trade Negan back to the Saviors in exchange for Simon. But I can't see why she'd do that when she believes Negan ordered Simon to kill them, as I said. Jadis told Rick, and Rick told Negan. Even if Negan pled his case to Jadis, she has no reason to believe anything he says. I find it much more likely that she's either going to turn him over to prove uh, to Rick to prove she's on his side... Or she's going to keep him captive and we'll get a Jadis and Negan bottle episode. I actually don't mind bottle episodes, and it might be sort of satisfying to see Negan suffer for a while. That might be fun. I think that would be fun, too. The two of them, just uh, like a two-man show for one episode. I have a feeling people would hate that, but I think it could be interesting. I'm just trying to think of... uh... Like they have very different speech patterns, even though Jadis is now talking normal, mm-hmm. and, but Negan isn't, right? <laughs> no, he's so, still Neganing. I think that uh, I think that'd be a very interesting conversation that I think could last an hour. I think you might be right, and uh, I think Heather might be onto something here. It, I, I do admit that a Negan Jadis bottle episode is going to be a tough sell, but if they can pull it off. And, you know, we have no idea if they're even going to do it or what. But if they could pull it off, I think that would be a fascinating, potentially fascinating character study of both of those characters, you know? Get Negan and Jadis in a room and see what happens. Yeah. I'd, I'd be on board with that. I think it's su- uh, supremely unlikely, but, you know, why not? The show should try uh, try some stuff once in a while and hopefully be yeah. successful. Well, they got to have a conversation. So that's going to be interesting, regardless of whether it's a bottle episode or not. They got to talk. Uh, they do have to talk, yeah, at least while they're driving wherever they're driving to. 
Yeah. That's good. It'll be good. Good, good. good. I'm Hopefully. excited now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next we have Dan in York, UK. I think you're being too hard on Jadis, Jadis's decision-making here. Uh, I'm presuming, since Negan didn't know it was her driving, that she managed to pistol whip, whip him from behind. So now she has an unconscious Negan and Lucille. What are her options? Number one, lock Negan in the boot of the car and leave Lucille behind. Terrible idea. Someone else is bound to find Lucille, and then Negan is no longer the main threat. Plus, I'm not sure it's even possible to leave Lucille behind on her own. Lucille would not allow that. Mm -hmm. Number two, lock Negan in the boot of the car and keep Lucille in the front seat. Terrible idea. <laughs> if Negan could get the drop on her, then Lucille absolutely could. She'd end up uh, under Lucille's spell, and who knows what fucked up shit she'd find herself doing. Number three, lock Negan and Lucille in the boot of the car. What? Are you stupid? <laughs> Number four, lock Lucille in the boot of the car and keep Negan in front. Clearly the best option. Lucille is the real threat. Without her, Jadis would still would be able to shoot Negan in the head if he gives her trouble. She was uh, she was right to choose this option. If it turns out that she left Lucille in the front with Negan, uh, then I can only assume that it isn't physically possible to separate them unless Lucille allows it. So it would be better to have them both where she can keep an eye on them. I just really enjoyed this email from Dan uh, outlining all of Jadis's possibilities for capturing Negan and Lucille and yeah. how to separate them and basically how to transport the two of them. Uh, as we all know, Lucille is the real brains of the operation here. And yeah. uh, I think, uh, as Dan says, she made the right choice. <laughs> she, uh, Yeah, when, when you lay it out that way, Dan, uh, it is the right choice. You're obviously uh, uh, a genius analytical person that uh, lays out all the options and is uh, very smart and recognizes that uh, Lucille is the real threat. And probably it isn't possible to leave her behind. Probably not possible to leave her behind, uh, but you can separate the two, at least, you know, uh, in short distances. Um, but, you know, lock Negan and Lucille in the boot of the car. What are you, stupid? <laughs> You'd never, <laughs> never do that. Yeah. I mean, what, what's going to happen if you try and leave Lucille behind? She's, she's going to grow legs, like get her little legs and then run along behind the car. And chase you just like Terminator. Uh, yeah, that would be really freaky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lucille is more important to Negan than the crossbow is to Daryl. I, That's I true. Think, I think, right? He didn't have the crossbow for a while. Uh, Lucille, he, I don't think Negan exists without the bat. Yeah. I mean, Lucille may not technically be sentient, even though I've been saying that for a long time, but <laughs> I think Lucille is uh, like uh, Indiana Jones's hat. Mm -hmm. uh, Indiana Jones does not lose his hat. It just doesn't happen. It just does not happen. It, no. The whole building could blow up uh, with... Uh, Indiana Jones in the building and he'd be thrown out the window and a five seconds later, the hat would land beside him. Right. The hat makes its way back to its owner. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, thank you, Dan, for that uh, excellent breakdown. The next up is Adia or Adia. I apologize. I don't know in San Francisco. And uh, I really enjoyed this episode and most episodes in general. I hate Negan. But Simon was such a sneaky traitor during this episode. Did you notice Simon saw Rick coming to ram Negan and totally shrugged it off? He could have warned Negan that Rick was coming down the side street, but Simon wanted Negan to get hit. Also, after Simon got Dwight on his side, he had a quick, 
sneaky smile as they were getting back in the car. He knows going against Negan is wrong, but he doesn't care and is glad his plan is working. It's true. Yeah, for now, <laughs> I think uh, Simon might be in for it if Negan makes it back, you know, to to the saviors. Oh, he's got a backup plan. Simon's got perfect situational awareness and uh, is uh, has multiple layers of plans in order to get out of whatever is happening. Okay, fair enough, but uh, we will see. If, if something goes wrong, if there's one thing he hasn't considered or thought of, then Negan's coming back, and, I mean, Simon's going to at least get the iron or maybe get the furnace. Oh, he could get the iron. Yeah. And then he would have such a huge thing in common with the white. Yeah, but it would probably ruin half his mustache. And good gourd, good no, no, good gourd, never. good God, that's a nice mustache. Uh, the mustache will be fine. Don't worry about the mustache. Okay. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> All right. All right. Next, an email from uh, Ian in Countess Thorpe, UK. One of the best parts uh, was the scene between Rick and Negan in the basement when Rick inadvertently let slip that Simon shot all of the trash people. However, this bombshell was made obsolete later in the episode when Jadis captures Negan because it means that he would have found out from her anyway. So why bother making a point of showing Rick putting Simon up shit creek? I can see what Ian is saying, but I mean, is it a guarantee that Negan being in the presence of Jadis means he f- he would you know be he would figure out exactly what happened yeah because Jadis is going to say something all she, my people are dead you're an asshole for doing that i didn't do that simon did it oh simon killed all my people and negan was going to say i didn't tell him to do that i guess you're right i mean i guess it does it would be weird if that didn't come out having these that's, two that's going to be the conversation that's conversation still going to happen you think so yeah because they have that talk and they're going to talk about why Jadis is pissed at him. True. And uh, and Simon's going to, or not Simon, but uh, Negan's going to deny it. He's going to say it's all Simon. All right. So does it take anything away? Yeah, you're right. He's totally going to deny it. So th- in that case, does it take anything away from the fact that, that kind of Rick uh, let this slip to him and, and why kind of do it twice? Yeah, it does take away from it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like there's no, there's no reason to, other than the oh moment, right? We're going to get that anyway. It, it kind of makes it pointless and sad. I, Ian's right. I mean, I think it, I think that awe moment came when Rick said it, right? Even, even Negan literally, you know, was kind of had that moment and the audience certainly did. I think it was a good moment. Like I felt like, oh yeah, this is going to lead to something really awesome. And now they're kind of giving it to us twice in a way. Well, maybe not. Maybe. This, maybe it was necessary for uh, Negan's, uh, for the conversation Negan's going to have with Jadis. Maybe it'll become relevant. He's like, oh, I just heard Rick just said that. And it's going to be, somehow the writers are going to incorporate that into the conversation uh, between Negan and Jadis, and it'll make it even cooler. Actually, that's a really good point. I mean, if now Negan can bring it up first with Jadis, right? He can say, listen. I just found this out. I had no idea. She might not be ready to hear that. You know, it might not yeah. change her opinion at all, but it does, I think in a way it gives Negan the upper hand a little bit, right? He can, he can sort of own up is not the right word, but he can bring it up and say, look, oh, yeah. I, I know this happened and I don't support this kind of thing. So I need your help to, 
I don't know, take out Simon or something like that. Now, I've mentioned in the past that I, for a very, very long time, never got caught doing for anything, really. Until one day. <laughs> well, you know, and it, uh, I almost got caught doing something. I'm not going to get into too many details, but the day before I would have gotten caught, I confessed to the thing that uh, I would have got caught for. If I had waited a day, I would have got caught and it would, I would have got fired. It was a work-related thing. But uh, one day I confessed to the thing and we talked about it. Me and my boss talked about it. And then the next day, uh, something happened where she would have found out anyway. <laughs> okay. Number one, please yeah. tell me this was a long time ago, not a at your- very long time ago. This okay. was in the nineties. Right. This is shit Jason did in the nineties. Of course it was. <laughs> and number two, God damn, man, that's quite the tease. People are going to be pissed that they don't know what you're talking about. Cause I don't even know. No. All right. Well, I, I don't want to get into it. Fair enough. But, uh, I'm too late. I'm into it, but yes, it's very important to stay ahead of this shit. Uh, so if, uh, if Negan knows that, uh, that this thing happened, he can get out in front of it and, uh, and spin it the way he wants. Yeah. Cause that opportunity, when I confessed to it, I was able to spin it my way instead of, so it was proactive rather than reactive. And it was very important that that, uh, and it worked out better for me because I was able to spin it. Uh, so Negan now has the opportunity to be able to spin this before, uh, where he would have been blindsided otherwise. Yeah. And I think, I think you've probably hit the nail on the head here. This is exactly why we needed Rick to spill the beans because Negan was going to end up with Jadis and now he can, like you said, get out in front of it. So, um, there's only one more question. Yeah. And that is, did you get fired? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, good. All right. (laughs) Not only did I not get fired, but uh, a little while later I quit. Well, I didn't quit. I took another job and uh, she hired me back from that job at twice my pay because she wanted me to help her out with something. Well, look at you. Everything's coming up millhouse for you. Yeah. Back in the nineties when I was making minimum wage, I made more than minimum wage for a little while. <laughs> All right then. Good times. All right. Very, very good times. Next up, we have an email from Sean in Richmond, Virginia. I'm sorry, but the Georgie plot line was the absolute worst. What was the point of these people to give them information and quote unquote knowledge that Georgie has in her head? Wouldn't you be able to obtain this so-called knowledge from pretty much any neighborhood library? My money says that it's the same place she acquired all this wonderful information herself. Am I alone in this? Uh, I don't know. Libraries are what they're, they're pretty much book museums anyway, right? Sure, but in the zombie apocalypse, when you need to know how to process grain, I think a library might be the place you go since there's no more internet. But would you think about that? Would you think of, I need a library? Yeah, absolutely. As If you're trying to rebuild a civilization, you'd want to get the basics down, like shelter and food, obviously, is a is a basic. But once you have some of that, which we are led to believe that Georgie's community does they have the basics down and now they're rebuilding the more complicated stuff like water treatment plants and food processing you know facilities yeah there's books like this there's survival and prepping books all over the place you could probably walk into any bookstore and find enough information to build your own windmill sure but that's or lumber reclamation system. Right. And, and, but that's exactly what Sean is saying. Like the information is there. Why do we need like some smarty pants to show up and say, I will 
give you this information. It's freely available anyways. That's true. Right? And I maybe think he, the, maybe that kind of information is only available on Amazon and Amazon is not really available in the zombie apocalypse. Well, no, <laughs> but anyways, I mean, that's, that's kind of the idea here. It's like these people, what's the point? They're trading something that's out there anyways. You just have to go find it. Yeah. Right. That's true. But maybe that's why Georgie's doing this because, uh, she's trying to get records for this. And maybe that's why she's trading records is because it's a useless trading material for ultimately a useless product. Well, I, there's, there's going to be more that comes from this, obviously. And we are going to find out more about, uh, Georgie's community, maybe not right away. Um, maybe they're just a laser designation team for, uh, airstrikes that are coming. Like they're just out there doing their, uh, behind enemy line stuff and they're going to paint the, uh, the hilltop with lasers and then an airstrike is going to come in. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I think maybe you could be onto something there. Why don't we move on to the next email? It sort of maybe expands on this a little bit. <laughs> right. We have trucker Tom on the road. I'm thinking that Georgie and friends are not just three people wandering the land, trading knowledge for food, trading knowledge for food and supplies. As Enid pointed out, they couldn't have survived this long doing that. They are too clean, and their vehicle is in too good condition. Uh, they had an aura about them, much like the Alexandrians did when Rick and the gang encountered them, a sheltered and innocent-like. I believe the helicopter that we saw several episodes ago was a recon flight that spotted the hilltop, and Georgie and friends are the ground contact team. I, sp- I suspect their role is to give struggling communities knowledge that uh, that can be used to help them thrive, expand, and become more productive before being annexed by Georgie's much larger, powerful community. I'm sure her community doesn't want to annex a liability. Right. So I think this is a great theory by Trucker Tom. Uh, First of all, the helicopter, that needs to be explained at some point. You can't just have a friggin' helicopter and then ignore it, which... So far, we have been. Yeah. We've all... Check out helicopter situation here. We do. We have all been assuming that that helicopter had something to do with the helipad in the in the junkyard. Uh, but maybe that's just a ridiculous coincidence and or red herring that there was a helicopter there and we saw a helicopter fly over. <laughs> I think if Georgie and her group is from a much larger and thriving community... Maybe it's possible that they do have, you know, helicopters and other, you know, flying vehicles. Uh, That would make sense to me. Yeah. Missiles, guided missiles, you know, cruise missiles, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Submarines, you know, battleships. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) flying submarines. That'd be awesome. That would be really awesome. Uh, But, you know, I... I think it's an interesting theory and uh, they better explain that friggin' helicopter at some point because right now, as far as we know, Rick was hallucinating that helicopter. No, we all saw it. Well, I know that, but <laughs> for all we know, it could be a hallucination. It could have been a magi- an imaginary helicopter. Um, but anyways, then the whole idea is Georgie shows up, says, here's a bunch of stuff you guys need to know. Figure your shit out and when you have you know, things running okay, then we're going to come back and say, now you are a part of, you know, our larger group and you are self, self-sustaining already. So we don't have to like help you out too much, but we can, you know, support each other. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I think this, I think this works for me. Uh, because as he says, you wouldn't want to annex the community and then it turns out to be a liability or just more trouble than it's worth. So it's the opposite of Negan in this, in the saviors. Kind of. Yeah. It's the anti-saviors. Yeah. Instead of taking supplies in order to support yourself, you're giving people the tools in order to make them a better community so that they're more useful to you in the future. Right. And this would be, you know, thematically appropriate to the show, to be honest, right? You have the saviors who apparently save people, but then take up to half of their stuff. And their whole goal, their whole purpose with these communities is to like, you know, supply the saviors with things. Whereas Georgie shows up and says, do good things, people. And then you can join our even better community. Yeah. Like aliens do. Like aliens do. They come down, they bring technology and come back in a couple thousand years and all right, everything's good here now, (laughs) you know? So interesting idea and I like it. Next up is Tony on the internet. Tony says, I was thinking about the times that we've seen gore on weapons in the past and how it doesn't seem to affect people the way Negan figures it should. And a very obvious one popped into my head. Remember in season five when the group was on the road after Tyrese died and there was a group of walkers following them down the road, they got to a bridge and the plan was just to dump zombies over the edge. Sasha was losing it at the time and stepped out and started stabbing zombies. As the group had to join in, Sasha sliced Abraham across the arm with the knife that just killed a bunch of zombies. Yet, no effect on him. Perhaps it was his red hair that gave him strength. So I went back and checked the scene, and because I didn't really remember it very well, and that's exactly what was happening. They were, you know, dumping zombies sort of off a bridge down into a ditch, kind of. And Sasha went crazy, started fighting. They all started fighting, and she takes a slice at a zombie with a knife, hits the zombie, and on the same, like, swipe, sort of on the follow-through of the swipe, cuts Abraham's shoulder. So, in a zombie, into Abraham, never made a mention of it again. Yeah. Yes, I think that this idea is not going to work. And can't work. And if it does work, we got a continuity issue. I think so. Uh, I, I really think so. We've we've had there are too many examples and of of the gore getting in people or people coming just in personal contact with it and it having no effect. So I don't know. They're going to have to explain this somehow. Or you're right. For some reason, Negan thinks this will work, but it won't. It'll have no effect on the people. Well, Negan did take, uh, some, uh, I forget who mentioned it, but Negan uh, did take a hit from Lucille right in the chest. Yeah. And she was recently dipped in a big bucket of gore. Sure. Now, he does wear a leather jacket, and leather is pretty good protection. Yeah, but the, it's full of spikes, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's full of barbed wire. Those That'll cut your leather. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I, I can say with a pretty strong degree of certainty that that hit by Lucille in his chest will have absolutely no impact on him and we'll never talk about it again. Yeah, but I don't think that, I think that he did get hit with Lucille and it probably did break the skin and there is gore all over it and this just adds to the continuity issue that we're going to have in the near future. 
continuity and confusion. Yeah. So yeah. I, I honestly wish they had never done this to be quite frank. I, I mean, I guess, and I, I know people are going to probably call me out for this, but I, I just wish they sort of stuck to the rules a little bit more. I don't know. I'd, I'd almost be more into them, like shooting flaming arrows over the walls of, of Hilltop than zombie soaked air, uh, arrows or doing what, Eugene said, chuck arms and legs and heads and big buckets of gore over. Like, that's bad enough. Why not just, yeah, chuffing heads. Like, you can cut the head off a zombie and it's fine. So why not just fill a basket full of uh, zombie heads that are all alive and chompy Mm -hmm. and, you know, throw them over the wall. Now they got to deal with a whole bunch of chompy heads. I mean, (laughs) you, you have a basically a free supply, an unlimited free supply of cannonballs. In the form of zombie heads. That's right. Gather them all up and just start hurling them in there. And don't get into this whole, we're trying to infect you with the zombie gore because it doesn't make sense within the rules of the universe. Yeah. You know, I, I guess if in real life, let's say, if you got pierced with something that was covered in rotting material, that's probably bad for you. And potentially yes. a little worse than if you get pierced by something that is pristine stainless steel, <laughs> let's say. Yep. So there's that. I mean, that does make sense. But the way Negan described it in his speech to his people was that this gets in you, you join the club of the undead. So he specifically said that. So maybe it's just the fact that it was verbalized like that, and that makes the whole thing even worse. Yeah, you know? well, maybe the whole thing was Lucille's idea, and she's a baseball bat, so what does she know? Friggin' Lucille. Should have been locked in the trunk of the car. <laughs> yeah. She's made of ash. Yes. Yes, she probably is. Anyways, um, I I don't want to... I, I went off on that a little bit more than I intended to, uh, but um, anyways, the show does seem to be contradicting itself. Um, well, let's hope it doesn't much. come to fruition. Let's hope that uh, Negan at some point says, shit, that didn't work. Yeah. He's just mistaken. I mean, that, that could be okay. You know? Yeah. I think it could be a nice funny moment. It backfires on him. I'd be okay with that. It's a learning moment for him. Maybe it'll be his turning point. I really had this dumb idea. I really wanted to hurt people, but, uh, it doesn't work. And, uh, I'm reforming my ways. I just want to, uh, (laughs) live in a community where I can do gardening and hang out with people. Right. Grow some potatoes. Come and visit. Some carrots. Yeah. And uh, look at my new best friend, Georgie, right here. I can uh, I can make spaghetti for good, not for evil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no more evil spaghetti. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, that uh, we'll have to see how that plays out, but I hope the show figures this out somehow. Uh, and that's everything. That is all the, uh, the feedback for this week. So uh, well done, Jason. You survived. Uh, so far, so the episode's far. not over yet, right? <laughs> it's almost over. You're all. It's almost bedtime for you. Oh, it's past bedtime. Okay, well, it's almost time to get to sleep then. <laughs> yes. Um. Next episode of The Walking Dead is called "Do Not Send Us Astray." So, if you would like to do a title read for that, by all means, record yourself reading that title and send it in. That way, when we record on Monday next week. We uh, we can play your title reads. Do not send us astray. Super. Very, very good. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so. 
by visiting our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top. You can uh, record a message right into your computer or phone, I guess, if you do that. And uh, it'll get emailed to us. Wow, your phone is a computer. To be fair. Essentially, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you, like I mentioned before, you you probably have a, or like in past episodes, you probably have a voice memo app on there. That's the best way to get a high quality recording and send that to us. So you can also do that. Um, And you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And just send general email correspondence to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Um, iTunes, iTunes is a really good way to get this podcast, iTunes or Apple podcasts, it's called now. And, uh, I haven't mentioned this in a long time, but leave us reviews there. Leave us some, uh, five or otherwise star reviews and, uh, and a comment if you want, but the reviews just, or the star ratings by themselves are good as well, especially as we lead towards the end of the season here, you know, walking dead tends to get a little bit more attention as we get to the season finale and, um, what is really awesome and, uh, has happened before to us is when you get featured in iTunes and the more reviews there are, the more downloads there are, the more likely Apple is to feature us. So we would really love that. Hopefully it's an easy way to, um, to just help us get a little bit more promotion. And if you like what we do here, that's good for everybody. Right, Jason? Me. <laughs> it's good for you. All right. Uh, that is going to do it. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will be back next week when we recap Do Not Send Us Astray. Until then, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao.